Alright, welcome back to the Brojo Online Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about the victim hero, a mindset that we've all fallen prey to at some point in our lives, and some people live it constantly. Today we're going to dive into what is the victim hero, why it's destructive to your life, and what you can do about it. This is Brojo Online. Masculinity, confidence, and integrity. Now, many of us, of course, in the self-development space, if nothing else, are familiar with the idea of victimhood, of the victim mindset, as it's often called. Now, I don't have the full description of everything involved in this mindset, but it involves a sense of unfairness about how your life is going and how the universe functions in general, especially in terms of how it treats you. Uh, there's a focus on failure, focus on pain, on loss, on negativity. You kind of give more weight and more attention to the things going wrong than the things going right. Uh, you see yourself as kind of a good person who's treated badly. Generally, isn't it? Somebody who doesn't deserve this treatment. Now, that's not always the case. For some people, they actually believe they do deserve the poor treatment. Uh, they believe that they're being fairly punished for some guilty thing that they for some shame that they have in the past or something wrong with them the not good enough story is a classic for the victim so you kind of get uh, one of the type differentiations in the victim story is the i deserve this and i don't deserve this either way you're a victim uh, but even when you say you don't deserve it it's kind of still seen as bad luck it's bad luck to be a person who doesn't deserve it. it's bad luck to have the things that happen to you or to have the weaknesses and faults that you have uh, that make you a victim this idea that other people are advantaged by default you must be disadvantaged so if you th see things as unfair it means it's fair for other people you know other people have had the easy life other people have had what they deserve or more than they deserve they've had your share taken away from you uh, they've had it easy they've had uh, kind of given to them in some way they've had a boost that you were missing out on and for many even though they wouldn't admit it even to themselves a secret thought, I suffer the most. Even though you know about people going through war and famine and sex trafficking victims and abuse and all sorts of stuff that you've maybe never even experienced or had anywhere near that kind of pain, you think, my pain really, really hurts in some special way. I'm especially a victim. You know, so comparing yourself to other people doing so-called worse doesn't make you feel much better. You still think, yeah, I'm actually one of the ones doing the worst. Many of you won't even admit that to yourselves, but you'd find if I was to dive into you and, and you know, dive in with you and dig into the honesty, we might find the truth that, yeah, you kind of see yourself as having a particularly bad hand dealt to you. Not just a moderately bad hand, but one of the worst. This is all old news. Everybody knows about this mindset, I guess, or everybody working on themselves has to come face to face with this mindset. The bit that I've added, I'm not the first to do this, but the bit that I've added recently is the hero part. What I've found, I think maybe it's a coping mechanism, it's a chicken and egg situation. I don't know which comes first, the victim or the hero. Maybe they arrive together. But this idea of trying to make sense of this victimhood is to sell it to yourself as a kind of heroic story. An idea that I am special because I'm unfairly treated. Like, like the underdog that you're rooting for in the movie. The person who, 
who's had it rough, but they deserve it the most. This idea that not only are you a victim, but it's very, very unfair, because you're such a good person. You are actually the hero of the story, uh, getting unfair treatment. So the hero element has factors like, I have to bear a bigger burden than other people do. You know, when you look at your peer group or the people who are generally in your category, you think, I have it a bit harder than all of them. I have some disadvantage that they don't have. I'm held back in some way that they're not. Then there's a kind of patting on the back of, even though I'm treated this badly, I still strive to be a good person, which makes me even gooder, so to speak, to absolutely abuse the English language. So not only am I a good person, but because I bear this burden... It makes me actually a better person. There's a sense of superiority in the hero story. Like, I'm such a good victim, right? Like, I, I could be a prick because of this treatment. I could be vengeful and awful. I could just bow out of the race altogether. But no, I keep striving, which means I'm even better than the other victims. And that's what I mean by the sort of specialness of it. Is you're aware that other people do suffer. You know you're not the only one. But you think, well, they become jerks or they give up completely or whatever, and I'm not doing that. So therefore, I'm kind of the king of the victims, so to speak. I'm better than the other victims. And you might even give yourself the superhero origin story, right? When you look back over your life, as you probably often do, and you cherry pick all the pieces of evidence that say, I have been unfairly treated, I've, uh, the way I am is an inevitable consequence of the trauma and suffering and unfairness, uh, the bad hand and the bad cards that I've been dealt time and time again, you know. I had a mother that was like this and a father was like this and then we had to move schools all the time and then I had a teacher who told me this really awful thing and then I got this illness and this injury and, you know, then I got sent to this place and that made me like that and then that didn't go that way and I lost my money. This And you've got this, like, story. It's almost like like a superhero origin story more like the villain's origin story of explaining why you're a victim justifying it justifying why especially why you can't really do anything about it like the the odds are stacked up against you the determinism of it you've been created into such a thing that cannot be broken this cannot be changed i'm fundamentally flawed you tell yourself i am broken unfixable my backstory proves it. And if you're honest with yourself, if you sit down in a quiet place where no one's listening, and you just admit to the truth to yourself, you're proud of it. You're proud of being a victim. I, I often say you're proud of being a loser. You're proud of your origin story, like I alluded to before. You're kind of like, look, I'm still going in spite of all this bad luck, you know. And you're proud that you have somehow had it worse than others like you deserve some sort of credit for that some sort of acknowledgement and that's what i mean by the victim hero this combination of victimhood and superiority uh, mark manson's the closest i've come to finding someone who agrees with me on this uh, in terms of having written about it before he talks about in his book ah uh, which one is it it's either you know, everything is fucked, or the one before it, the subtle art of not giving a fuck. I think it's in everything is fucked. But he talks about this kind of, I think he calls it reverse entitlement, or negative entitlement. So you've got normal entitlement, which is I deserve the best. And negative entitlement is I deserve the worst. And the person with negative entitled, 
entitlement is as entitled in in a sense than the person who's arrogant so the person with negative entitlement not only believes they deserve the worst they strive to keep that going they say no no the worst is mine right great example is somebody's a story beater so if you're like oh this time was really bad for me and they say you think that was bad what about the time i blah 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 it's like no no no. you don't get to be the person who had the worst experience i'm always the person with the worst experience i'm gonna beat you you think you're busy i'm fucking busy mate you think you're stressed i got my stress up to fucking here i wish i had your life you know you get that kind of effect with people really trying to cling to the the hero the gold medal of sucking right the gold medal of having a bad life whether you believe you're the cause of that bad life or you're you know you you deserve it or it's been heaped upon you like you're a good capable person but you just got too many barriers and obstacles in the world either way you want to cling to that gold medal and you will actually resist success achievement improvement good luck gifts you resist anything that would diminish your gold medal that put you in the silver position or the bronze the shameful bronze like you have to be the person in the room whose life is basically the worst right now this isn't going to occur to you all the time some people occur to you just in little moments of self-pity and for others on the other end of the spectrum it is all the time and most people will probably be somewhere in the middle but the people i'm talking to are the ones at that heavier end of the spectrum you've got this deep toxic shame this inner sense there's something fundamentally wrong with you that no matter how hard you try it's going to go to shit eventually because you know you're like a bug in the code like this thing cannot be unwritten it's going to play out badly for you at some point because things are basically just unfair for you whether it's because you're a bad person or you have bad luck or both right so if you're wondering if this is you here's some examples that i've written down trying to prove that you're the busiest like i said before or the most stressed or have had the worst relationship experiences or have the worst boss you're always kind of trying to prove that you've got the gold medal in the conversation for the worst right uh, or you're just someone like whenever someone asks you how's it going they get a negative answer right you're always focused on the unfairness the bad luck the things going wrong the failures you might even sort of in this weird sort of sarcastic self-deprecating humor kind of way you'd be like oh well all this terrible shit happened but at least i had this tiny little good thing you know you might try to sort of lighten it up a bit but the sense you want to get across is i'm just getting beaten down all the time is very unfair um so you're a story beater on pain and failure and loss uh lots of blame you have a lot of blame in your life you're constantly looking for why bad things happen whether they happen to other people or happen to you or you cause them to yourself blaming yourself is no different to blaming another person or blaming blaming an aspect of the universe it's just why is this happening is a question you constantly seek to answer it sounds like you're looking for a solution but you're not you're just looking for proof that badness is caused by something you want to show that there's a cause and effect cause and effect relationship between the suffering in your life and and some you know some mover that has targeted you even if that's your own self there's some enemy out there just it's got nothing better to do but to try and make your life worse you might think that a crash after success is inevitable that if you do get a win some undeniable success you know things go well for you you're always looking for when it's going to crash down you know maybe you do finally get a girlfriend be like oh she's going to cheat on me eventually or oh, it's only a matter of time before x y and z happens and 
you know if, if something goes well and then it goes badly after that you're like see see as if that's kind of proof that you never get to keep anything that goes good so maybe you do a bit of that uh you might avoid starting risky things in fact you almost certainly do this might be one of the most common factors where people don't make risky improvements to their life they don't start the new business or move to the other country or start approaching people they're attracted to or hitting the gym or whatever it is trying new hobbies because you think well what's the point it's all going to go badly eventually life's going to suck regardless of what i try to do so why would i try to do something that's uncomfortable to do i'm going to be uncomfortable anyway why would i double down on that so you might not think these thoughts exactly but that's a sense of things like why try you know what's the point might as well just live a shitty little life because that's all i'm gonna get anyway you know don't want to tempt the gods by actually trying for something and they look at me like you fucking trying for something i'll see about that you know you don't want to kind of provoke whatever this enemy is into like even more uh, rambunctious action against you your investments go sour you seem to have bad luck with things that you put effort into or money into or time into you know you invest in people they betray you you invest financially it goes south you invest time it seems to be wasted and you get nothing out of it you got the sense that like investment's kind of a waste of time for you that things are kind of stacked against you in that way you might have a general rage about the injustice in the world this is why i think there's so many victim heroes because if i'm right about this being a symptom then any social media stream will show you how many people have this symptom people just raging often about things they barely understand you know global warming veganism uh, the war in the ukraine uh, donald trump people will go on an absolute bender of outrage over something that they have only a very surface level superficial understanding of but what understanding they do have tells me this is unfair right that's the message they've gotten from something there's some unfairness here there's some injustice here and they fly off the handle about it they get really really emotional about it and that's kind of a vicarious trauma thing if you see yourself as the underdog as you see yourself as bullied by the universe as unfairly treated then you're going to be extra sensitive to it happening even if it's not happening to you you know like the people who are mad about trump when they don't even live in the united states you know they feel they feel for the people living in the united states who are oppressed by trump or whatever right they feel that like hundreds of millions of people are being bullied by the president or something like that and they they feel it as if it is them like kind of empathy that bleeds really into sympathy a kind of i actually feel what you're feeling you know the kind of people get outraged by by bullying or by cheating in sports or by any kind of fraud or anything like that they everybody's going to have some sort of negative reaction to people being shitty but victim heroes have an especially bad reaction to it because they see themselves as you know being victims of it themselves so like the way somebody who's been abused as a child will have extra emotional reaction to seeing someone else being abused as a child as opposed to someone who hasn't been you know so it's that kind of thing it's it's interesting that one in particular the reason i go on about that one is because there's an idea that like you would get on with your life if only it was just you know like you're waiting for the world to balance the scales and then you'll get on with finding a purpose in life and doing some meaningful things but 
now, unfortunately, you just have to consume all your time raging about injustice. Until that's dealt with, you're not able to move on. And I see that a lot. I see people spending inordinate, inordinate amounts of time on social media or in personal conversations raging about something that they have no control over, that's got no real like one-to-one effect on them, that they don't even understand properly. Like anybody who's not involved in the Ukraine war raging about it, is a good example, or uh, anybody who isn't a scientist raging about global warming or anything like that, and you think, like, really, that's, that's the best thing you can do with your time? Like, you can't go work on your health, your relationships, your own career, your own purpose. You, you have to put all that aside to rage about this thing that has nothing to do with you and you can't do anything about. Well, that's the victim hero. Like, I'm going to be a hero for something and a victim of it, and unfortunately that's going to consume all my free time so i don't have time for that risky hobby or starting my own business or finally getting on with my health you know i'm just too busy with all this raging and of course i mean an obvious symptom would be there's a victim story in your head any story in your head that says you are unfairly treated that you are a victim of some kind that there is a perpetrator out there there's some enemy some whether a very specific person, like my mum bullies me, or some general sense that like, fuck, no matter what I try, I just can't win. The frustration you get, the idea that the universe is kind of just slightly wound, skewed against you and your goals. Like it works out alright for other people, but you're just running into a brick wall if you try even the exact same thing that they do. I, I work with nice guys in particular, of course, and in relationships, that's one of the most common frustrations. I can't win. You know, if I say this, she gets mad, but if I do that, she also gets mad. This idea, like, I'm doing everything right, I've got multiple options of the right thing to do, but none of them work. All of this, if any of this is really resonating with you, or you're feeling the heat of defensiveness as I speak, well, welcome to being a victim hero. And welcome to being a fucking human. Right? I don't know anyone, I don't think I've ever met a person who hasn't at least binged on this feeling and this mindset for a couple of hours right and most people if they were really honest even the gurus you look up to and inspired by even the fucking dalai lama would have a few days per year where they just bathe in self-pity you know and they just blame and look out of the world and go this is not fair you know everybody's got that I guess it's not so bad if it happens very infrequently and you use it as a platform to improve afterwards, but I guess who I'm really talking to in this podcast are the people who are so consumed by this mindset where it happens so frequently that their quality of life is quite negatively impacted. You're not achieving your goals. Things aren't going the way they should be for you. Uh, you're not living a healthy life, you're not living a fulfilling life, you could see yourself regretting your life on your deathbed. If that's you, then I'm talking to you. Even if you don't think of yourself as a victim, or a victim hero, but you see life as being unfair and unlucky, I'm telling you, it's you. And we're going to talk about that today. That kind of covers the what of what is victim hero, and now we're going to look at why. Why this happens, why it starts and why it's currently going on i think the best way to frame this is to look at this as a combination of conscious and subconscious there's what you know of and what you think of as happening and then there's what's really happening as i say behind the curtain 
So there's the, your conscious understanding of your life and who you are and how everything works, your goals, the cause and effects, relationships of things in your life, why things happen for you the way they do. There's the stories and the narratives and the explanations and the, and the kind of analysis and assessment of all of that in your conscious mind. And I want to paint the picture for you, plant a seed I guess I should say, that that's an illusion, that that is very unlikely to be accurate. That that is a kind of screensaver that your own brain plays for you to keep you occupied, to keep you complacent, to sell you a story, while the real work, the truth about why this is all happening, goes on behind the scenes and it's something quite different to what you're aware of. So consciously, there's this bad luck story. Maybe you'll refer to your childhood trauma. Uh, maybe you'll see it as kind of a statistical thing like you just always seem to be on the wrong side of the roll of the dice you know uh, you think of unfair disadvantages perhaps For some of you might you might focus say on gender or race others might focus on wealth others might focus on physical attributes you'll see yourself as having some disadvantage that seems to be quite critical in all areas of your life or in the area of your life where you feel like the victim or the victim hero uh, you have this conscious explanation like Bad things happen to me because. And even if the answer is, I don't know why they happened to me, there's still a sense that they are happening. There's still a sense that you are being unfairly targeted, that you're getting a lot more of the bad luck than you should for the kind of person that you are. Or like I said earlier, or you have a story that says, I deserve this bad luck because I'm this bad person who's this, this, and this. You know, People who have been abused and traumatized and bullied quite often have the deserving narrative right so i'm a bad person my mum told me so the kids at school ostracized me a proof my first girlfriend after she dumped me for the other guy said that i was a loser because blah blah blah. i definitely if bad luck happens to me it's like well you know what did i expect being this piece of shit that i am right either way you've got some sort of story in your conscious mind that tries its best to make sense of this shitty hand that you've been dealt of this Running into a brick wall, no matter what you try, doesn't quite work. You can't seem to crack the code that everybody else has cracked. Whatever it is, right? Like I said, I want to pin that. I want you to think, what if that is a lie I tell myself and I don't even know I'm doing it? What if that is just a beautifully constructed, very convincing narrative that explains what's happening, or at least what I think is happening? And what if it's not true? Or what if it, it is true, but it doesn't have to be? What if the person that you envy, are jealous of, those other people who seem to have the good luck or the advantage or the not being fucked up like you, or whatever it is you think they have, what if there isn't actually any real difference between you and those people? What if there is no real reason why you can't have the good life that they have, right? Because I tell you, whatever you think your thing is, your disadvantage, whether there's multiple things or a single one, I guarantee you, if you tell me what that is and tell me what your goal is, I will find another human being with that thing who's achieved your goal, right? If you think you're too ugly to attract a partner, I'll find someone uglier than you who does well with, you know, with women or has a partner or whatever right 
if you think your physical illness prevents progression in your career or art i'll find you a tetraplegic artist who's blowing up right now right i'll find you somebody who's sicker than you doing more than you right whatever you think your thing is that makes you special that makes you the hero of the victims that makes it untenable for you to achieve the very reasonable goals you have that other people uh, basically handed on a silver platter i'll find you a person who will shut you up who'll make you go okay i can't really can't really say much to that you know what's my excuse now you know that's true a quick google search will prove it to you if you just put i can't do this because i have this problem is there anyone who has kind of search you'll find a person anything you come up with i know a guy who runs a chain of successful restaurants and he has down syndrome you know what i mean like you don't have an excuse but you don't bother looking for that do you because that would hurt the narrative you have no desire to find that information because that would severely disrupt the victim hero because the truth is that narrative in your head is flimsy fragile it doesn't hold up to questioning in court some part of you knows that and that's why it never goes to court that's why it never goes to trial you just use confirmation bias you cherry pick evidence you keep adding to this narrative see there it is again see there it is again you dismiss the good things that happen to you you dismiss good luck advantages privileges that you have the fact that you're listening to me on a podcast means that you have access to, to technology it means that you're not so unwell that you can't hear me it means that you're functioning to some level where you understand language that already puts you in the top 50 percent of humans but you don't want to think about that do you you don't want to think that you actually are in the top half right that wouldn't really work for explaining why things aren't going the way you want them to so something's happening behind the curtain if this narrative doesn't really line up it doesn't hold up to scrutiny then what is the narrative about and where does it come from the truth about the victim hero story is it is a survival strategy of some kind it is a strategy designed to avoid things that you think are threatening and uncomfortable to try to prevent traumatic things reoccurring things that you experienced in the past from happening again it is an instinct in the subconscious part of your brain to keep you safe it would rather that you suffer with unattained goals than experience whatever the thing going wrong if you actually try thing is right so it's about avoiding commitment it's particularly about avoiding responsibility for your life it's about avoiding the acknowledgement that everything in your life is a result of your own decisions and therefore everything in your future could be a result of better decisions it's a distancing of accountability you know on one hand you might blame yourself for everything that's going wrong but who are you blaming is it really you or is it this thing you call yourself like like it's your brother that's fucking everything up for you like quite quite often when i hear people blame themselves it really sounds like they've actually compartmentalized their past self even if it was only a second ago and blamed it like it's a separate person so you actually are a victim of yourself which implies duality it implies there is a perpetrator and a victim so even when people blame themselves they're really blaming another person 
It's just they say this person lives inside my body. But of course, many people are unaccountable on the fact that they blame the outside world. They blame other people. They blame the system, the government, the universe, the fucking physics. Something out there is, you know, pulling their leg. Truth is, there's a fear of success and a fear of greatness. People often don't understand why they would be afraid of success, so they don't bother to investigate that potential pathway. But what is success? Success is massive change. It's massive responsibility. It's worth being afraid of success. It's a terrifying thing. Failure really just means staying the same. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever realized that if you fail, the result is that you didn't change? When you realize that failure equals no change and success equals change, and that's all those two things mean. It's not positive, negative. It's change or status quo. If you're afraid of change, then you're afraid of success. Success just means change. You think, oh, I want to be rich. Do you know what it's like to handle a lot of money? Do you know what it's like to doubt whether your friends are really into you or they're just kind of clinging to your cash? Do you, do you know what it's like to have to use lawyers and accountants all the time just to manage your daily budget? Do you know what it's like to become attached to possessions because now you can afford them? Do you know what it's like to be afraid of losing the wealth? That's a lot of change, and a lot of it's very negative. There are very few wealthy people who are also deeply confident and satisfied. Right? Wealth tends to create an attachment to possessions and resources that makes the person actually quite fragile and insecure. Deep down, you might know this. You might think you want to be famous, but do you ever just watch the hell that celebrities go through because they're in the fucking spotlight all the time? How... It's not actually impossible for them to have a relationship with someone who isn't also a celebrity because the person wouldn't understand and how they have so much given to them that they just can't find real pleasure anymore so they have to resort to drugs and you know extreme behavior. You think you want success because you don't really think of what success is but success means a massive upheaval of what you're comfortable with and if you're a victim hero you don't succeed. A victim hero is a very compelling and successful narrative, you might say. A very convincing narrative to keep you the same, to keep you failing. When you understand that failure is staying the same. There's a thing that helps me beyond measure when it comes to understanding fear. Fear is not about protecting you physically. Fear is not about keeping you safe. Well, it is, but that's a secondary goal. The primary goal of fear is to avoid change. There was a time in our life where change or uh, uncertainty was very dangerous. It was what killed us. We carried that on. We haven't actually evolved physically all that much. Just technology has evolved around us. We still have the same basic brain that we had 100,000 years ago. 100,000 years ago, change was a very dangerous thing. Nowadays, it's actually the opposite. Staying the same is probably the most dangerous thing you can do. It's such an ever-changing world where technology is just turning over day by day. If you don't keep up to date, if you're not moving with the flow, you're going to drown. But our brains don't know that. It doesn't get that yet. It's something that has to be trained within your lifetime to sort of uh, overwrite the basic technology of, of our evolution. So... You are wired to be afraid of success because you're wired to be afraid of change. Greatness is terrifying change. Because not only is it a huge change, but it's also a target on your back. If you're noticed, if people realize you're doing well, whether that's fame or just a kind of recognition amongst your peer group, there's a sense of, I'm now in the spotlight, which means I'm now under threat. You know this, and so you avoid it. 
And there's a desire for comfort and easygoingness and ongoingness. It used to amaze me, I've talked about this example all the time, how many people would stay in an abusive relationship. And like logically, that just doesn't make any sense. It certainly doesn't make sense to go from one abusive partner to another. From a narcissist to a narcissist, from you know domestic violence to more domestic violence. It, it just doesn't make sense. Unless you understand that the brain is not wired for physical security. Or even physical comfort. It's wired for a kind of mental comfort that comes with predictability. It comes with, it's going to be the same. Yes, I'm going to get my ass kicked by my partner a few times a week, but at least I know that. There's a channel on YouTube called Soft White Underbelly. I really recommend it. It's a series of documentary interviews where a guy just interviews interesting people and they tell their honest story. And one of them, well, a series of them is interviews with a streetwalker, a prostitute. And she talks about how she's always had abusive pimps as partners. And then one time she actually had a decent partner who told her she was beautiful and cared about her and, you know, wanted her to do well. And she turned into the abuser. She just reacted so poorly to being treated well that she sabotaged the relationship. Her brain fried at the idea of this different style of relationship, even though it was better. And so she ended up ruining that relationship and next relationship was with another abusive pimp. So this is how we're wired. We're not wired to do something that's good for us we're wired to do something that's the fucking same as what we're used to and the victim hero story that mindset is the mechanism by which we stay the same it is our ongoing rebuttal and resistance to potential improvement or change of any kind and there's a self-centeredness this is the hero part of the victim hero story being a victim could easily be a kind of communal thing. You might think we're all victims. Life's hard for everybody or life's hard for my group in general. You know, I'm not better than anyone in my group or worse off. I'm just, we all suffer. But the hero part of the victim hero story, for those of you who are not just victims but victims heroes, there's this idea, I'm special. I'm specially targeted. This unfair treatment, as bad as it is, as unpleasant as it is, gives me a sense of I matter I'm unique I'm not just another fucking grain of sand on the beach that is indistinguishable from the other grains I'm an I'm a unique particle I I stand out in some way I just like a person looking up like me I I'm here I'm really into the cartoon strip Calvin and Hobbes well I suppose everyone is it's the most popular ever done but there's a bit where Calvin goes outside, it's night time, the stars are out. He looks up at the sky and screams, I matter! And the next panel he goes, says the speck of dust. And this is the thing that terrifies the victim hero, this idea that we don't matter. That we, uh, we don't exist, really. That we're just, it doesn't matter whether we're here or not, we have no real impact on anything. So we cling to any sense that we might matter, or any sense of significance. And one way to be significant is to be especially targeted for bad treatment. Now, another way to be significant is to be especially successful. But that's hard, isn't it? It's hard to be famous. It's hard to be the best at something. It's hard to be in the top 1%, or it's hard to win, or it's hard to kind of have a big impact. But it's easy to be a victim. 
uh, you can just walk onto the job. It's really easy to orchestrate victimhood. I can make sure that people abuse me. I can make sure that I lose whatever battle I go into. I can make sure that I fail at life in general. That uh, I can walk onto that. It's like how easy it is, how much easier it is to be obese than it is to have a six-pack of abs. Well, it's hard work to get abs, and even then you've got to maintain them. But get obese, you just fuck, chuck food down your mouth. No problem at all, right? And so it's the kind of path of least resistance to specialness, the victim hero. It's how we define ourselves. You know, there are people who are actually proud of being losers. Some of them overtly, you know, they'll say, fuck, never, nothing ever goes right for me. It's just the hand I've been down, you know, that's just how it is. <sighs> like they want a fucking medal or something. Like anybody who brags about being busy or stressed is what I'm talking about. Someone's just like, oh, fucking, I'm up to here with shit. So, well, congratulations for having no boundaries. What, what are you asking for exactly? You know, do you want a podium for a life that sucks that you created? <laughs> no. What you want is to just go, I'm different. See? See how I'm different to everybody who ever existed? See how I'm special, how I matter, how I don't have to face the existential dread of nothing fucking matters, to be crushed by the weight of that realization? To be the dust speck screaming up at the stars who can't even hear it. To be the ant that just gets stood on. That's a great fear for us. But we can be the special ant. The ant that only has four legs and, you know, that's not fear. I should probably disclose at this point that this is all just opinion on my part. Informed in some parts by what I've read and heard from others. But I don't have to be right about this. I'm trying to say something that might help some people. So if you feel uncomfortably called out, then keep listening, because it gets better. I'm not just going to rag on you and then fuck off, right? I've got a solution to this. I used to be a victim hero. Really. I lived it. I was the victim hero. Every nice guy is a victim hero. When they call themselves a nice guy, they're saying, not only am I special because I'm good, but also I'm unfairly treated because I don't get what I want. Right, that's a victim hero. In a nutshell, there is not a nice guy on this planet who's not a victim hero. Okay. And I was a nice guy, absolutely committed to the death until my mid-twenties. And even then, it was still a gradual weaning off process. I didn't change overnight. So I've spent most of my life being a victim hero. I'm on your side here. I'm, I've gotten through the tunnel and I'm calling back through to say, hey, there's a better place down here, you know. But you need to realize where you are. That's why I'm going to be hard on you because I wish someone had been this hard on me earlier on i would have got my shit together quicker you still at this point might think but yeah i'm trying really fucking hard though like i have these conscious goals i strive to achieve them it doesn't work out like it does for other people well welcome to the thing that got me into psychology in the very first place the thing that captured my attention at university a concept called self-fulfilling prophecy you've probably heard of it before if you haven't what it basically means is if you believe something, you can make it true. And I don't mean law of attraction, manifestation, horseshit. I mean you'll behave in a certain way as if something's true, and that behavior will create a cause and effect system. So the way I learned about self-fulfilling prophecy is if I'm racist, for example, I'll treat someone of another race poorly, and that will make them behave badly to me. And that will, to me, confirm that that race is bad, right? So my behavior actually provokes a counter-behavior, a reaction, that confirms the initial belief. 
I've fulfilled the prophecy. I've made it true. I get my ass kicked by some black guy because I was staring him out like he's a criminal, and I've been doing that to every black guy I've ever met. It was bound to happen eventually. You can't just stare out, dudes. And now I say, see, they're violent, right? I'm a victim of black guys now, right? That's self-fulfilling prophecy. Another way I heard it is if you treat someone like a dog long enough, eventually they'll bite you. What I'm talking about with the victim hero, self-fulfilling prophecy, is we engineer victimhood. We engineer loss. We engineer bad luck. We engineer failures. We engineer sickness. We engineer injury. We engineer bullying, manipulation, poor treatment from others, loss of money, struggles in our career. We engineer all of that without even knowing we're doing it most of the time sometimes we can kind of see it like yeah i probably shouldn't have eaten that whole cake right boy you know she she was actually keen on me and i just didn't do anything I fucking i should have done something sometimes we can see like i am somehow involved in this but a lot of time we whitewash over that we have a whole mental process that gets rid of that evidence and it just seems like we're trying really hard without bad luck uh we're trying really hard but we've got bad luck or we've given up trying because of all the bad luck, right? But if you start, if you just start with realizing, shit, I'm doing this. The the conscious mind, what it tells me is horseshit. There's a whole system behind me, behind the curtain, the subconscious that has other goals that it's not telling me about. And those goals are being achieved. And it's achieving them. It's master of this whole puppetry. I'm just a puppet of myself. I don't realize I'm following some orders from my subconscious that ensure things don't work out the way. I'm fulfilling the prophecy I've written for myself. I've come up with the idea that I'm a victim hero and now I'm making it come true. I've been making it come true for many years. So many years that that actually seems to be compelling evidence that this is bad luck. Like surely it can't go this badly for someone this long, which only adds to the narrative. But you don't have to try that hard to fail. Like I said, it's easier to be obese than it is to have a six-pack. It's easier to be miserably single than it is to connect with people. It's easier to have a shit job than it is to create a business that's successful. It's easy to fail. It doesn't take much self-sabotage. But there's also lots of opportunities for everyone. So there's some effort required to resist those opportunities to make sure they don't work out for us. And I want to plant that seed in your head. That's what you're doing. You're taking the easy way out that fails... And you're resisting any opportunities to make sure that you can't accidentally succeed. But your mind's telling you that you're trying really hard to succeed. And that screensaver keeps you confused as to why things aren't working out. But if you were to just observe your behavior objectively, if someone like me was to comment on what you're doing in the area that you're suffering in, there would be a clear list of how you're the one fucking it up, that this isn't bad luck. And you kind of know that. Right? In fact, if you're still listening to this, you must kind of know that, because if you're not interested in self-awareness, you would have clicked off by now. But some part of you is like, I've always suspected it's fucking me, you know? Now, some of you, that's a self-blame thing. Like, it's always me, I ruin everything. But what we're talking about is more a self-responsibility of like, no, I ruin everything on purpose. I don't have to. This isn't something like toxic shame. There isn't something wrong with me, other than I act as if there's something wrong with me. I'm, I'm, I'm creating a bad life, and I have the power to not do that. That's the seed I want you to just plant. I mean, it can't hurt to think like that, right? 
uh, in Gay Hendrick's book uh, Leap of Faith, he talks about this thing called the Upper Limit, and it's this amazing kind of mystical pseudo-scientific thing where as people start to get towards breaking through the upper limits the more successful life in whatever area they start having problems that fuck it up you know the person who's just about to get their career promotion suddenly gets sick a lot and they kind of miss out on that opportunity or things are going really well for someone so they celebrate by smoking a lot of weed and then it goes downhill for them again and it's like anybody who celebrates working out by eating chocolate it's kind of like just as you're about to make some gains you negate those gains you make sure you reset the clock so that no real progress is made if you start looking for things like that you'll realize how often you do that how often you know in the guise of reward or busyness or you know just kind of blinders on you miss the opportunity to step up even though it's right there nobody's in your way nothing it's like i often hear uh say feminism complain that there aren't enough women in the stem fields in university and yet nowhere in the western world at least can i find any barriers to a woman entering a stem field course in university if a, if a female wants to be an engineer she can be one she can at least go to university i don't know maybe in the outside world it's hard to get a job but the university bit there's really like it's illegal for universities to decline someone based on their gender they can get in serious trouble for that and universities of all places are pretty woke so basically as a female you can walk onto a stem subject in university so the idea that something's in your way is a total illusion there's nothing in your way this is just an example of the kind of upper limit problem we see we, we rage against something where there's no real barriers i wanted to use a, a metaphor a magic metaphor i got this from the movie the prestige great movie about magic i enjoyed it a lot and it describes the process of a magic trick and it has these three phases the pledge the turn and the prestige so the pledge is where you show something ordinary and the turn is where you do something extraordinary with it and the prestige is where the tr the trick is shown like oh my god where's the rabbit gone kind of thing at least that's my understanding of it so like i showed you there's a hat you know and there's nothing in it and then i pull a rabbit out of that hat and you're like holy shit and i put the rabbit back in and the hat's empty again holy fucking shit right and the way magic works is simply misdirection. All magic is about misdirection. It's about making sure your attention is not on the thing that's going on, right? So whether it's sleight of hand or some elaborate stage illusion or anything in between, whatever you're looking at is what you're supposed to be looking at, but it's not where the trick's actually happening. You never actually see the trick. And a really common element of magic is that the trick happens before you think it does. So if you see a card trick and he goes, is this your card? You think, fuck, he must have done some sleight of hand just then. He's like, no, no, the pack was rigged before the trick even began. Or, you know, he, he did something very early on while he was just talking to you. The, the trick often happens during the pledge, the beginning bit where ordinary shit's happening. Is where, while the guy looks like nothing's going on, he's, he's moving under the surface. Things are changing pockets. He's stealing stuff out of this. And somebody's sneaking around behind the stage to climb into the thing or whatever. But you're listening to him talk about his day that's how magic generally works just misdirection 
Now the reason I use this is because this is how the victim hero st story works, is we only look at the prestige. We look at the result of being a victim hero, the bad results. We look at the bad luck that happened yet again. We look at the missed opportunity that just bypassed us yet again. We look at the results, we're going, oh, this sucks, look how fat I am. We're looking at the end of the trick, and we miss the beginning. Now, this is a magic trick we play on ourselves. And this is the reason when I, even though I'm attacking you as a victim hero, I actually, in a sense, ironically, you are a victim of the victim hero-ness. You've been tricked by yourself into believing you're a victim, so technically you are a victim. But, of course, you're not in the sense that you can get out of this. So whatever you think is going wrong, the thing went wrong ages ago. You're just seeing it at the end of the trick. For example, you've got a string of bad relationships. A great example, a friend of mine, um, she's had a string of just awful relationships. Just crash and burn, crash and burn. Lots of drama, conflict, everything in these relationships. Never seems to work out. I, you know, you got to feel for it. It's just... Two decades of failed relationships, quite a few relationships. She's trying her best, so it would appear. And if she dials back, say if we go from the prestige back to the turn, like the extraordinary thing happened, it looks like maybe the thing in the relationship is what she's doing wrong. You know, maybe she shouldn't be snooping through their phone or accusing them of cheating, and maybe she shouldn't be yelling at them every time they disagree with her. You know, it looks like her behavior in the relationship is the problem. She's still not looking back far enough. How she chooses her partners is the problem. And this is the problem for anybody who has a string of bad relationships. It's your attraction that fucks everything up. And that's the bit you don't look at. That's the normal bit. Now this, this girl in particular, she actually makes it a point to choose her partners based on how good they look. And she doesn't think that's a problem. And I'm telling her, that's the only problem she's got. That process of choosing a partner is clearly flawed. So it actually doesn't matter what she does in the relationship because he chooses unfit partners. Now, I used to do this all the time. I used to be attracted to unavailable, unhealthy women. I couldn't believe that attraction could ever be that kind of calculated. The attraction was just some physical thing and it's kind of a luck thing. So some people who look good are good people and some aren't. And I just like people who look good. It'd just be rolling the dice each time I meet one. No, no, no. That's not how it at all. There were many times where I was attracted to a girl and all my friends were like, really? Her? Like, she's alright, but you're that into her? Because they couldn't see what I saw. I saw in my subconscious. I saw a train wreck. And I was attracted to that. I was attracted to very uh, unstable people. Because secretly, I didn't want a relationship. I want to stay the same, right? That's the victim hero thing. I didn't want to actually succeed. Because then I'm in fucking relationship managing people's emotions and like trying to deal with shit and having commitment issues and freedom issues and all that. Like, that's actually, I don't want that. I just think I do. So I keep myself away from it. Or did. You know, I've overcome it now. But see, the pledge was the problem. Where I was attracted was actually where the trick was taking place. My brain was making me attracted to unfit people. Safe in the knowledge that by the time I figured out they're unfit, I would lose sight of where the trick took place. You know, this is how the victim hero story works. You know, you might say, God, my boss sucks and they're bullying me. It's like, dude, you knew that on the first week you had red flags, right? You've been at this job for five years. Week one, you had red flags about your boss. You should have left after seven days, right? You should have left after that first team meeting struck you as a bit... Ugh. 
five years later, you're thinking, oh, maybe I should have just stood up for myself, or maybe it's just because, you know, now I need this job because I need the money because i got kids and blah, blah, blah. It's like, dude, you weren't like that when you first started. You tricked yourself into believing that you've got bad luck to have this boss, but the truth was you chose to stay in a shit job. You chose to stay with a bully as a boss. He isn't actually at fault here, right? The boss didn't do anything wrong. You didn't have to stay. You're not a fucking slave, right? And even if you were, you can run, at least. The dogs might chase you, but you can at least give it a go. Um, health problems. You know, by the time you go to the doctor because you need the surgery and you just, you've got this ongoing issue, or you've got chronic depression, you're like, that's the end of it. Did you look back at the part where you actually probably, if not caused this, at least aggravated and provoked it? You know, I used to watch that program, Embarrassing Bodies, you know, because, um, like, my greatest fear is to end up on a program like that. And people would come in often for sexual, you know, or, or genital-related issues, but sometimes other stuff, you know, really fucked up skin or, you know, weird things growing here and there or hair falling out. And, look, to be fair, some of these people just had bad luck. They just had this fucking illness, they had some genetic disorder, whatever. But what struck me as I watched the show is that nearly every single patient on that show was significantly overweight and they had bad teeth and so on. And when you look at it, you go, there's no way that person is eating a healthy, nutritious diet and exercising regularly. Now, that wasn't everybody on the show, but it was almost everybody, right? And so part of me looked at that and goes, look, Maybe if you had exercised and eaten well your entire life, you'd still have this problem. That's possible. But I'm thinking unlikely. I'm thinking a vast majority of you would not have to show up on this show if you'd just taken better care of yourselves from the beginning. And I think that about most people's uh, physical health problems is very rarely does somebody have ongoing physical health problems when they live particularly healthily, right? That's the whole point that being healthy is promoted by science and by... Uh, health practitioners is because it reduces your risk of disease and injury significantly right it's not some like lucky break thing so when somebody's in and out of hospital all the time sometimes it's bad luck i don't want to shit on anyone's parade here but a lot of the time you gotta ask yourself have i lived the healthiest possible because if not you've got to wonder how much of that was a part of it you know and it's the same with mental health issues you know Technically, depression is an illness, but it's not a contagious illness. It's not a virus in the air. It's something about the way the brain malfunctions. I'm yet to meet a person with depression who lives consistently by their values. And I have met a fuckload of people who have had depression and anxiety disorders and other mental health issues. I mean, I used to kind of specialize in rehabilitating criminal offenders with mental health issues. But also, pretty much every person on this planet's had them at some point in time, and everybody I've worked with has had them in some significant way. I've never met a person with depression who had a strong integrity prior to getting depression. Never. I'm not saying they don't exist. I'm saying I've never met them, and I've met thousands, literally thousands of people with depression and investigated their lives. And what this tells me, this little hypothesis of mine is, there is some relationship between integrity and mental health. That people who live with integrity, they're bold, they're honest, they take care of themselves, they're full of responsibility, they're self-respecting. 
they're very unlikely to suffer significant mental health issues. Whereas somebody who never lives with integrity is very, very likely to have ongoing chronic mental health issues, right? If nothing else, because their life gets fucked up by not living with integrity. Again, we, we start with this end problem, like, oh, I've got depression all the time, or I've, you know, I've got this knee injury that's just never getting right, or, you know, I just can't seem to lose this belly fat, or whatever it is, my boss is a dick. And we don't wind the clock back and go, you know what, this was all preventable. If I have to be honest with myself, I wrote the first chapters of this book that the book could only end one way. Now, this isn't a self-blaming exercise. It's a responsibility exercise. It's about seeing, like, fuck, I've been tricked. I talked myself into thinking all that's happening to me is bad luck. It's not bad luck. It's fucking engineered. I set it up this way. I mean, how many people right now smoke cigarettes and are unaware of the health dangers and don't believe in the health dangers, right? Pretty much everyone who smokes knows it's bad for you. So you can't blame cigarettes for your cancer, can you? You're choosing to smoke, knowing the consequences. When you eat tons of sugary snacks and blimp out in front of the TV late night, smoking weed and chucking down M&Ms, you're not thinking like, this is good health, right? I am fucking crushing it. I should sell a program or something to help people get as healthy. You're not thinking that. You know what you're doing is fucking not good for you. When you lie and cheat and fucking deceive and manipulate people all the time, you're not thinking, that's a healthy way to interact. That's going to pay out well in the future. No, you know that it's got some sort of debt to pay off later on. You know that it's just a short-term kind of comfort and, and win that you're going for and that it can't possibly last in some healthy, significant, sustainable way. So don't tell yourself that you don't know what you're doing. Stop falling for the trick. See the sleight of hand at the beginning. Even the un, seemingly unrelated ones, like you might struggle with relationships and not even think, fuck, maybe this is a health problem. Maybe if I took better care of myself physically, I wouldn't have such problems socially. Because that might be the case. Or you might think like, man, I've really got to get to the gym and work out more. I just can't seem to lose this weight. And you don't realize that burning yourself out at work and stressed out to fuck is causing inflammation, so you cannot get rid of that. Right? That fat is, is a reaction from your body to inflammation of the system. Like You are actually literally burning yourself out, and the fat is like insulation to try and keep you going. You might actually, it might be something in another area of your life fucking things up. Or a common one I see, of course, is the integrity one, or more specifically the purpose one. But somebody just doesn't know why. They're doing what they're doing. They don't have a clear sense of purpose, of reason, of principles to live by. Everything else suffers in life. You make constant bad decisions, little bad decisions, all day long. Shitty little bad decisions. You eat the cake at the office even though you know you shouldn't. You yell at your partner even though you know you should have just talked to them. Things like this happen all day, every day, and it just compounds. The interest on those bad decisions ends up with a shitty life. But you don't see it because the, the, the change is so gradual. The, the downfall is so slow. You don't realize, fuck, I'm tricking myself into this. You know, my past self set me up. But you're not really a victim because you are yourself. You're doing it now. Right now. Just today. Look back today. What did you do today that hey, you probably shouldn't have done that? That you're going to have to pay for later. 
right? What, what, what was the pledge of your magic trick today? Did you overeat? Did you stay up too late last night? Did you lie to someone? Did you text when you should have called? And did you stay at a job that sucks when you know you should just quit? You did something today, didn't you? We all do. And your future self is going to look back and go, oh, fuck you. Right? So who's playing the trick on who here? Where's the disadvantage coming from if it's not from you? Well, you got to understand, the key to the victim here is you have subconscious goals. And they are probably just about the opposite of your conscious goals. What you think you want is probably about the opposite of what you're really going for subconsciously. And in general, if what you're going for subconsciously is to stay the same, that means any goal you have about improvement is the opposite. If you're like, God, I wish I could just find a partner. No, you don't, actually. You wish you could stay single. Secretly, you wish that. So I just want to get in shape. No, you don't. You want to keep eating sugar. That's what you really want. So one day I'm going to quit this job. No, you're not. You're going to stay at this job, actually. That's what your brain wants. That's what your fear and security system wants. It wants you to just keep eating this shit. Because at least this is shit that you know. So you got to stop this process of removing guilt where you try and talk yourself into believing that you haven't been the only cause in this effect right that, that, that this isn't something you've designed and built you've got to stop doing that stop blaming stop minimizing your behavior stop avoiding acknowledgement of what you've done you know that compartmentalization where you choose not to see a link between early behavior and current results if you look back there's always a link Nothing in your life is disconnected from anything else. It all is linked together. Whatever you do in your health section of your life affects your relationships and your job and everything else. And whatever you do in your job affects your relationships. It's all linked. Right? Everything. There's no compartments. So you do anything poorly anywhere, the ripples out into your life. And later on you have bad results. And you go, where did these come from? I'm so unlucky. Nah, you're not, mate. You're not. Yeah, yeah if, if anything, you're incredibly successful. You're doing exactly what you intend to do. You just don't know what your real intentions are. And this is a way to kind of backwards realize what's going on, is assume that everything you're doing is exactly what you want. Like everything you're getting out of life, all the results, is mwah, spot on. Goal achieved. You fucking nailed it. If you assume that, then you ask yourself, well, what's the goal then? So if you sabotage every relationship, what's the goal? Stay single, isn't it? It must be the goal. If that's a successful completion of a goal, then the goal must be to stay single. You know, if you look down and it's like, oh, no matter how much I work out or try to eat right, I just don't seem... No, the goal must be to stay in the shape that you are, right? There are some people who actually try to stay unattractive because they're afraid of it being attractive. You know, in the most sort of obvious and extreme cases, people who are sexually abused as children, uh, not all of them, but there's a common trait where they might overeat or dress really yuck or, you know, have really greasy hair or something. They actually try to repel people with their body, you know, as a defense mechanism. Some of them are consciously aware that they're doing this. Others, they just don't really know why it is that they can't seem to lose weight. Nothing is a mistake. If you understand that nothing in your life is a mistake, it just doesn't line up with what the conscious narrative is. It doesn't line up with the screensaver, with the illusion, the pledge in your head. And it's actually a turn. It's a, it's a trick. You're being fucking tricked. 
by your own brain into thinking that this is about luck when it's actually almost entirely design. Sure, luck's involved, but how we react to luck is completely under our control, which means we get to steer the ship no matter where the wind comes from or the waves that hit us, we're steering the ship. So if that ship keeps crashing into rocks, we're steering it poorly. We're not in a storm that's particularly worse than anybody else. If you look out at your peer group, your country, whatever, you probably have as much of a shot at anything as anybody else does. Now, you'll focus in on whatever you think your disadvantage or your flaw is, but like I said, I bet you I can find someone else with it who's doing better than you. And then what are you going to say? You're going to come up with another one, aren't you? And then I'll have to go find someone else. First you'll tell me you're too fat, and then I'll find a fat person who has a partner. And then you'll tell me, well, it's because they're rich, so I'll find a poor fat person who has a partner. And we can do this all fucking day long. I don't care what you throw at me. It's not an excuse. The only reason it becomes an excuse is you choose not to explore it. You go, that's the reason. Case fucking closed. I'm disadvantaged. No, that's a magic trick you're playing on yourself. You're actually just fine. Enough foreplay. How the fuck do we get out of this thing? How do we get out of this victim hero universe where everything is affected by it? You can't, unfortunately, because you're a victim. No, I'm kidding. First realization. You have to just come to the truth. You have not been selected by the universe for unfair treatment. The universe doesn't give a fuck about you or any of us. Yes, some people start with privileges and so on and so forth and compartmentalize areas compared to others, but... The cause and effect system in your life is you and your behavior, not all the extra shit, right? There are exceptions. There anything you think you're disadvantaged with, I can find you the exception. I can find you someone who shows that that's not a disadvantage. Someone who leveraged it. You know, like I said earlier, I know someone with Down syndrome who runs a chain of restaurants. How is he successful? He played on the Down syndrome. He's like, hey, this is a restaurant run by a Down syndrome guy. Who's not going to go check that out? Right? There's a different way of looking at this thing where you turn this disadvantage into an advantage. I can't run a restaurant saying I have Down syndrome. I'd get fucking, <laughs> I'd get, you know, lynched if I did something like that, you know? Only he can do it. Right? I, I know a great artist who's tetraplegic. He draws by putting the pen in his mouth, you know, and draws on the computer or uses eye movements to draw. He's actually plays that up. Now, he's actually an excellent artist, don't get me wrong. His art is brilliant, but the tetraplegic thing brings people in, so he uses it. So whatever disadvantage you think you have is probably, in somebody else's eyes, an advantage. So are you disadvantaged, or is it all just about perspective and the kind of application? Universe can't target you. You're not specially selected. You're not actually that significant, unfortunately. You are just another grain on the beach. What you do with that life is up to you. If you cannot realize that, you cannot get out of the victim hero story. If you can't realize that you're just not special, and that's a good thing. It gives you a shot like, hey, no, the universe isn't monitoring me. You're going, don't fucking move. If you try anything, I'm going to squat. The universe isn't doing that. The universe is just, it's not even paying attention to you. You can get away with anything. It's not watching. The ocean doesn't know that there's a boat on top. It just is the ocean. It's up to the boat to fucking ride out the waves. That's what you are. You're unnoticed. So do the best you can. You have to separate blame from responsibility. 
Blame is saying, who did this? Who caused this? Why is this happening? Responsibility goes, okay, this is the hand I've been dealt. What's the best I can do with it? Completely different mindset. It's future facing. It's going, I'm going to do something good with this. (laughs) I'm going to try. Right? There's some way to make this work to my advantage. Whereas blame goes, I've been disadvantaged. Case closed. Not even going to look into that. Now, who the fuck needs to go to jail for this? Guess where that gets you? Fucking nowhere. Right? You know, it's like uh, it's reflected in the justices in the justice system, right? We go like, right, who did this? Right, you're going to jail. How much reparation is done with that? None, right? Whereas if it goes, hey, whose job is it to heal from this? Whose job it is to make this better? That'd be a completely different question, right? I've literally dealt with what you might call real victims, victims of crime. And how they do after the crime is completely up to them. It can't be up to the person who did it. Some people get a sense of justice when somebody's punished, but quite often they feel not. You know, they quite often say the sentence wasn't long enough or that doesn't bring back my partner or whatever. They always, they feel like, ah, it wasn't quite enough. Because the missing piece isn't the sentence, right? You can sentence a guy to be dissolved in acid. It still doesn't repair the bit that's missing. The bit that's missing is you going, I've got to heal from this shit. It's my job to move on. It's my job to turn this into a success story. It's what I did with my nice guy syndrome. I became a nice guy coach. Only I can be a nice guy coach. Me and other nice guys can be nice guy coaches. You can't be a nice guy coach if you haven't been a nice guy. You wouldn't understand. You don't know what it's like. You can't get into the mind and go, Jesus Christ, that's why you do stuff. I know why you do stuff as a nice guy. I am one. I've leveraged that. I wouldn't change a fucking thing about my past now because I love doing what I do. So you got to go, look, whatever I've been dealt as a hand... It should be an advantage to me if I just take responsibility for it. If I just go, my job to do something with this. It's my job. My life is my job. I don't mean like your job is your life. I mean, no one's going to save you. The universe isn't going to do anything for you. You might have to hustle and grind or whatever. You might have to climb up the slippery pits without a rope. And you might see people bypassing you on an elevator. Fucking good for them. They'll have some other problem you don't know about. But whatever it is, you've got to do something about it. You must. Because the victim thing is destroying you. You're not winning here. You sit there patting yourself on the back for sucking. But you're miserable. It's not a life. And you're going to get to your deathbed and you look back and go, Fuck! I wasted it. One life and I fucked it up. You're going to get there. And I tell you, that you should be terrified of that. I can't think of something worse, really worse, than being right on the point of death and going, I fucking wasted the whole lot. And it's too late. Can't do shit. The victim hero story will take you to that. That's the final destination of the victim hero story. Is why you're patting yourself on the back for why you've been unfairly targeted and how things are rough for you. Eventually you're going to click and it's going to hit you so late. You're going to be like, fuck, it was me all along. Shit. Oh no, it's too late. You know? But it doesn't have to be that way. You can do that now. You can do that right now. And go, Fuck, it's been me. I better go on to this shit before, fucking, before it's too late. I don't care if you're 60 and listening to this. It's not too late yet. I've had clients in their 50s and 60s. They can turn it around. And the thing is, when you do turn it around, it makes it all worth it. The backstory just becomes an actual hero origin story. I fucked up my life for this long, but then I 
turned it around. And that somehow makes it even sweeter. Like, if you just had it sweet from the beginning, it's not much of a story. So I did really well. The end. It's like, who's going to watch that movie? But the guy just kept fucking everything up and then finally, I'm doing this. Enough. Fucking get the sword out. It's time to fight. I'm done with being like this. That's a movie. I'll watch that. Because I made it up. I have a big ego. So you got to identify that everything you're involved in currently is your choice. You don't like your job, you chose to be there. you got to remember this weird thing. You can always kill yourself. I'm not saying you should. I'm saying that option's been available since the day you're aware that you could. Which is probably sometime in pre-teens. So every day since then you've chosen not to. Some of you unfortunately listening to me have tried. But you still didn't get away with it. Failed again, eh? And... The option's still available to you, but you don't take it, which means everything that you do take in life is a choice. If you're in a shit relationship, you choose to be in there, because you could kill yourself or leave the relationship. If you're in a shit job, you choose to be there. I don't care what your financial situation is. There's nothing stopping you from quitting, unless you're in some fucked up, like, Republic of Congo, and you're actually a slave, in which case you're not listening to me. There's nothing in your life that isn't a choice. You might have injuries... You might have sicknesses that very little can be done about. But something can be done about them. You know, I think of like the sickest person out there. It's still like there's some choice between the the meals they eat. You know, they could eat healthy or unhealthy, for example. Uh, they could surround themselves with good people or bad people, for example. There's still some choices there about how good their life is that they're making. Are they making the best possible choices there? You know, there's a great person worth looking up, Claire Wineland. Claire Wineland. Uh, she passed away a couple of years ago. She had cystic fibrosis. She's the daughter of John Wineland, a coach who does similar work to me. And and she was very well known for kind of going on a campaign for saying, stop treating sick people like they're sick. You know, treat us like human beings. It's what's best for us. You know, she spent half her time in hospital. Cystic fibrosis is a fucking horrendous disease where you got to, like, vacuum snot out of your lungs or you choke to death and you've got to try and survive long enough to get a transplant. It's awful. Fuck, she made the most of that. Fuck, she made the most of that. She had a great life when she wasn't choking up phlegm, you know? She had a great life when she was socializing. She had a great career, burgeoning career. Fortunately, she died right before she was due to kind of get the lung transplant that might have saved her probably not but there's a lot of people with cystic fibrosis out there not living the way she did not making the kind of choices she made not making the most of it sitting there miserable well maybe there's not a lot i don't know i haven't met that many people with cf but the point is like she's an example of what you could do with that disease and i haven't seen many examples doing that so where's everyone else you know You might think I'm undermining your suffering. Yeah, I am, actually. Because not only can I think of a thousand people suffering more than you, whatever it is you got, I'll find you someone who makes you go, Jesus Christ, at least I'm not that. But it's not even about that. It's not about comparison. It's still your choice how much you suffer. Let's say you've got some really bad luck and you've got some really shit cards dealt to you. There's still a spectrum of suffering that you're on. And that's under your control. You can make it worse or you can make it better with your decisions. Whatever it is that you're doing and your and your suffering is it's relative. You know, you doing 
the best. Let's say let's say you got something that most people would think of as horrible, like you've got some severe mental illness uh, or physical disease or poverty, something. Most people go, fuck, I don't want that. If you're making the most of that and you know you are, you're like living with integrity and doing the best that you can and fighting against the victim hero thing and going, fuck, I'm no victim, I'll make the most of this. You're probably going to enjoy your life more than somebody at the complete other end of the spectrum of success who is a victim hero. Right, so the millionaire who's got everything super healthy, beautiful wife, blah, 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 but sees themselves as a victim, is suffering more than the poor, sick person who sees themselves as the responsible creator of their life. Because it's relative. There isn't actually a spectrum that's like this. You know, someone like Kim Kardashian is probably suffering more than you emotionally, even though they seem to have it all, because they see themselves as a victim. I mean, I don't know her, but her behavior tells me that she she sees herself as that way from what little I know. Who cares? I'm going to get sued for libel if I was ever famous, but I won't be, so it's fine. Look at your life through the lens of, this is all on purpose. I've done all of this. I didn't mean to consciously, but subconsciously, I absolutely meant to. This is beautifully engineered. I create. This is my matrix. I am the programmer of this matrix. I designed the whole fucking thing. I don't control other people or things that happen to me, but my response to those creates my life. And my life is my universe, and I've fucking created everything you see here. My shit job, I designed that job. I found it. I got myself into it. I stayed and clung to it. It's mine, right? Everything is done on purpose, which means you're actually quite powerful. You can do something else if you want. If you can do this, you can do anything, right? So you've got to list your, your self-sabotaging behaviors. You know, is there anything unhelpful in any area of life you do, no matter how un, unrelated or irrelevant it seems to where you're suffering? Just look at anything where you go, where could my behavior be better? Where do I make dumb decisions? Where do I let myself down? Where do I do things that are less than healthy compared to what I know is good? And list it down and just, just to face the facts. Like, okay, I haven't done all I could do yet. The story I have in my head, like, I can't win, I've tried everything. I clearly haven't tried everything, have I? Look at all this shitty stuff I still do. I haven't done no shitty stuff for, like, 12 months consistently. I haven't done that yet. I haven't seen what that'll do. I haven't been brave for a year to see what will happen with that. I haven't been honest for a year to see what happens with that. I haven't eaten nutritious meals every meal and exercised every day for a year. I haven't seen what would happen if I did that yet. You know, so you can see. Um, before I complain about unfairness, maybe I should get my shit together. You know, maybe I should make sure I have actually tried everything before I go down that route. Before I go, oh poor me. I should go. Mm, maybe I should see what I'm actually capable of. Even though, even those of you who think uh, of yourself as toxic, think of yourself, uh, you know, have that toxic shame. You think there's something wrong with you. Have you really gone to the limit of your capability yet to test that? You think, oh, nobody would ever be attracted to me. Have you tried, really tried, to boldly, bravely go up to people and ask them out? And, you know, have you gotten yourself a dating coach and really given it a crack and, you know, been willing to change your behavior and listen to advice and so on? Have you really had a go at it? Really? Or do you just tell yourself, yeah, you have a half-hearted crack at it, get a few rejections and go, ah, see? You know, what are the narratives you use to avoid commitment, risk-taking? You say to yourself, 
oh, you know, I'd lose my freedom. You say, so that's too dangerous, even though other people are capable of doing both of these things and they seem to be fine, you know? Do you avoid initiating, like going first and doing something no one else is doing or doing it before anybody else gives you permission? Have you tried persevering beyond the bit where it gets hard? Victim heroes love to try and quit. They go, oh, that got a bit difficult. I'm fucking out. You know that thing? When life gives you lemons, fuck the lemons and bail. Have you tried eating the lemons first? Have you tried getting through that rough bit at the start where things are hard? You know? When you went to the dance class, did you stick with it for six months? Or did you quit after the first round because you didn't pick it up quickly? Do you tell yourself stories like, it's not worth the hassle. I'm too busy. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough time. Do you plead special circumstances, you know? This happens to me because I'm a nice guy. It happens to me because I'm black. It happens to me because my parents were shit. Do you plead special circumstances with yourself to get out of shit? Catch yourself doing all that stuff and go, have I tried not doing that? Have I tried living opposite to that first? Have I really given it a crack or have I let that narrative just crush me because I had a few bad examples earlier on? You know, I didn't ask our girls for 10 years because one girl rejected me. You think that's a valid sample size? You think that's a good reason to go for 10 years without initiating? And then go, why aren't there any girls? Um, because you never asked them out, dumbass. Right? How, How did that not occur to me? Right? Two things I did consistently in that like big period of time where like no girls liked me was I never asked them out, I never showed attraction directly, I was always super nice so that they wouldn't feel anything strongly about me, and I got drunk and used drugs all the time, so I was basically unavailable at any given time, if nothing else logistically. And then I go, I can't find a girl. Jesus Christ, you're barely looking, are you? I can't believe anyone in that situation would get a girl. And I'm thinking, oh, girls just don't like me for some reason. Turns out, actually, quite a few girls, not that many, but quite a few, were throwing themselves at me, and I found a way to run away. But my mental narrative was, I'm trying to find a girl. The mechanism at the back was like, get these girls away from me. They break your heart. Fucking run. They're scary. I just didn't know that that's what was really controlling me. So identify how you'd behave differently if the goals you think you have were your actual goals, right? Like, if you think your goal is to be healthy, how would you eat differently compared to what you're doing? Because if you're like, my goal is to be healthy and you're eating a lot of shit food, then your goal is really to be unhealthy, isn't it? So how would you eat differently if your goal was healthy? If your goal was like, I want to find a good partner, would you really be swiping on Tinder to find a good partner? Is is Tinder the place where healthy, relationship-focused people go? People that are going to be a good fit for you? People who just swipe on fucking images? That's that's where you're going to find someone? Now, that's where you go if you don't want to find someone. Right? Where you go if you want to find someone is you find your hobby, you sign up to the class where there's heaps of people, and then you go and meet every person and invite them out to coffee. That's how you fucking meet someone. Are you doing that? Because if you had the goal to meet someone, that's what you'd be doing. Even if your goal is like you want to get financially secure, materialistic as it might be, how much education have you had about finances? Huh? Have you done the Brojo financial freedom course yet? Are you a savvy investor? Have you got multiple income streams? Have you got a business on the side? Or have you become an entrepreneur? Do you have a money coach, mentor? 
or do you have none of those things because that's not really your goal you don't even budget you just blow your money on shit right what's your real behavior going to be if your goals consciously were your actual goals have a look at the difference because then you'll see that this is not a lie you are self-sabotaging and just constantly fucking journal this is mostly about self-awareness see your abilities there i mean if you can create a shit life you can create a good one you, you have the ability to create a life you can choose however you want to choose it's actually not that hard to choose out it's not that hard to make you know the good choices even if you slip some of the time you generally have a good life if like 80 percent of the time you're making good decisions so to have a bad life you have to be making bad decisions like 80 percent of the time right you have to make a lot of bad decisions to have a bad life so if you just halved that you're going to start crushing so start journaling and journal with a focus on responsibility when you journal about what happened today or what's going on in your life the first question would be like how did i create this especially if that thing sucks if your relationship is going poorly if your job sucks if your health isn't what it should be ask yourself how did i do this to myself what's the behaviors that i do on a daily basis to maintain this problem how do i keep myself from succeeding here you know what's the thing i do poorly on purpose to hold myself back and what would the opposite of that look like what would i be doing if i really wanted to succeed if you keep journaling about that every day if you make that the only thing you commit to doing like i'm just going to be honest with myself about my self-sabotage every single day you'll start to squirm eventually you'll start to go you know what i'm fucking sick of this i'm not a victim i'm i'm self-imposing this shitty life on me and the clock is running you know the sand's going through the hourglass i'm gonna die fucking sometime maybe soon is this it is this the best i can fucking do if i only get one shot and i'm actually in control of this is this the kind of decision making i want to see from myself is it maybe time to get a bit afraid get a bit uncomfortable get a bit confused and do some real shit get out there mix it up try like actually try not just tell yourself you're trying give it a real fucking shot and then when it doesn't work out have another go and another one persevere i say all these things with no sense of hypocrisy i put myself through everything we're talking about here today and there was heaps of slips and failures and relapses and there was a lot of discomfort you know, like, I, I had this huge, two huge fears socially. One was confrontations, and the other was expressing attraction. And for, like, three years, I did, like, nothing else. <laughs> you know, on a daily basis, I was either directly expressing attraction to someone or confronting someone in an uncomfortable way, or both. I mean, like, every fucking day, almost. And it was as bad as it sounds, you know? It, 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 ugh especially at the start it mostly went poorly for me i mean it didn't go as badly as i thought it was going to that's always an exaggeration by the victim hero narrative but it certainly didn't go that well you know my first few confrontations choking on that like lump of shame in my throat and pretty much the first like 30 to 50 times i directly expressed attraction to a girl i mean she might smile or whatever but she didn't become my girlfriend like it didn't go anywhere right you you got to go through 30 or 50 times maybe 100 you know like you think about losing weight you have to eat healthy for many months 
for months before you even the body even starts to adjust. Months, right? Unless you're on some extreme plan. And it took me five years for my business to be profitable. Five years I had to persevere to figure out this business thing from scratch. But it's better than being a victim. All of that felt good to do. Even when it was uncomfortable, I walked away like, yes, I'm finally in control of my fucking life. Even if I go up to a girl and just crashed and burned. You know, and I, I can remember a few times where I was just like, oh, just shot through the heart. I felt great about it later because I could sleep that night going that was actually the best I could do really like I swung for the fence there's nothing more I can ask of myself as opposed to when you're a victim hero when you're finally starting to go to bed you're falling asleep and you start to be honest with yourself because no one's around no one's watching and you just think of all the missed opportunities the clear proof that you are not doing your best that you are not even really trying that is miserable fuck that for a life take it from me i had that life fuck that i'm not special i never was and that means whatever i've done you can do i'm not better than you i'm not more talented or skilled i don't have some magic formula that you don't have i've, I've told you everything i know you can do it you can go out there and get uncomfortable. It's not that fucking hard. Feels like it will be. And then you do it and you go, oh, why was I afraid of that? Why have I been afraid of that my whole life? I mean, it's not great, but it's not bad. You know? Up to you. If nothing else, go on forward knowing you create all of this shit. If you want a shit life, fine. Have it. But stop telling yourself that somebody else did it to you. Stop telling yourself that your past self set you up. You're now out of the magic trick you can see the pledge now you can see the sleight of hand like oh he's fucking put the coin in his pocket you know that's happening now so what are you gonna do about it if you want help with this contact me dan at brojo.org i know you can do it yourself but with me you can do it faster simple as that i'll talk to you next time this is brojo online masculinity confidence and integrity 